I am master of my own destiny. You cannot fill a cup from an empty vessel. With awareness, rebellion is born. We are all perfectly flawed. It's the empowerment that shows us how to embrace that. Are you ready to embrace your flaws? Join us. There is a seat at our table. Hello, beautiful soul, and welcome to Perfectly Flawed, where there's always room for one more at the table. Today, I'm your host. My name is Tammy, along with Terry and Lauren. We make up your Perfectly Flawed where we accept you for who you are. You are perfect in every way because you are flawed. Flaws make us real and they make us fabulous. They make us who we are. You can probably hear a little bit of wind in the background. I am outside sitting at a table and my table today has on it a book about meditations and my lovely teapot that my cousin had gotten me a couple years ago for a present. It does flowering teas, which are beyond beautiful. And my favorite tea mug that my next door neighbor made for me, who does ceramics. And it's very, it's actually the perfect teacup. It fits perfectly in your hand. And it's warming. It's just, I'm very happy that he thought to make this for me. I am going to talk to you today about something I have recently done. Terry was going to interview me about it, but unfortunately she's been a little busy working on some stuff and I decided why not just do it on my own, give my partner a break. So <clears throat> recently I've done something that I have been contemplating about doing for on and off over several years now and as I was driving to get new tires for my car because one of them was going to go rogue on me I thought to myself why the hell not just do it go for it and do it it's not that hard but you may learn something. Just go and do it. And what I'm talking about is something that Terry did a few months ago. And it's not because I'm copying her. Like I said, I had thought about it for several months now, or years actually. And um, so when I got to the final leg of my journey to Northern Maine, which is our old farmhouse that belonged to my grandparents, then my parents, and now will soon belong to my sister eventually. Um, I sat down with my iPad and applied to become ordained. Now, ordination, not that hard. Many of you know you just go in, fill out a uh, form, and poof, there you are. But I'm thinking more about it as not a religious thing, but more as a spiritual aspect um, into what I've been thinking about more so myself. Because um, spirituality and religion are totally two different things. You can, religion is, it's not bad per se, it's just choosing the correct place to go to. Spirituality is more about self, about who you are, who you're feeling inside, what you're feeling inside, and how to better yourself daily. Um, along with that, I actually can perform marriages and... Um, I guess, be there with people in their final moments of death and preside over their funerals, etc. Um, which is actually a quite amazing thing to be there with somebody at the end 
four years ago, I lost my father. Um, but we were all there in the room with him. And it was a very amazing thing. Um, it was sad, yes, but, you know, he had, had been in pain for a while. There was, um, I'm not going to get into the medical whole thing of it. It, it was, it was cancer, but that was taken care of by the operation. What he passed from was coming out of the anesthesia because he has, he had, um, COPD and emphysema. And sometimes those things don't mix well together. But having us all there the evening before my dad, or <laughs> the evening before when my, my dad passed, because he passed away the next morning around 10.30, and it was just, you know, we were there as a family. Many of us, I actually had one of my cousins drove up from being here in Connecticut up to Northern Maine, which is almost a nine-hour ride. And I turned around and there was her face. And it was very amazing just to see her. I was like, well, what are you doing here? But to have us all there in the last moments of my father's life and having him know that we loved him and that we were there for him. Even though he was in a hospital, we were there to be with him. And we stayed long into the night. And then many of us, you know, we parted away and let him have some rest because it was late and he needed to keep up his fight for his life, we were hoping. And then unfortunately we got the fate, you know, the fatal call the next day. Um, but we were there with him when he passed and took his last breaths. And still to the end, my father sat there and surprised us because he gave one last gasp as my mother went to kiss him and scared the caca out of her. <laughs> And gave us quite a chuckle at the same time as we were experiencing our own griefs in our own ways. So for me, that was kind of uh, even more of an awakening for myself about spirituality and different things that go on in life. Um, reaching out and feeling energies of others around you. And... I just, you know, it was amazing. Like even going to, when I went to the funeral, we were on our way out to my dad's funeral. I could feel everybody that we knew behind me. I could feel the group of people that were way down here in Connecticut when I was up in Northern Maine on the way to my father's funeral. I could literally pick out specific people by name. I knew who they were. I could feel them enrobing me in their love and their light to be there with me. And it's like the first time in my life I ever had that experience and I've not I've experienced something similar, but it was quite amazing. And the energy was incredible to feel each and every person that was thinking about you, whose heart was with you that day. And so I've decided that, you know, along with doing, you know, to enlighten myself and to become more spiritual, spirituality and religion are two different things. Spirituality is within yourself. Religion is sharing it with others. Sometimes others misinterpret it in wrong ways. And not all religion is bad. I will not say that. There are some that are very good in healing. Just like is everything in the world, there is good and there is bad. And sometimes there is the gray areas. But finding what resonates for yourself is what you need to do. And that's the journey that I'm embarking on cur currently. Um, am I perfect? No, I am perfectly flawed. But I am here working on myself and I'm just thinking 
that this whole thing is just a really another part of my journey. I've created two hand fasting cords, which are basically a long cord braided together with um, specific colors, each having a different meaning for the couple that you are hand fasting. Basically, it is a long ago, some call it pagan. I don't really necessarily feel it's pagan. I am not downing paganism because I do embrace some of the aspects from it. Um, I guess you could call me an eclectic because I do embrace lots of different types of um, feelings or I don't know what to quite call it or energies from different thinkings, um, spiritualities, I guess. Uh, and the hand fasting, I've made a couple for a couple friends for their weddings, and basically it binds the couple together. So it's kind of like a medieval or pre-medieval uh, wedding rite. And, you know, it's, we all have our different interpretations of things all over the world. And this, to me, just seems to be a wonderful um, spiritual symbolism that the cords of love have bound these two together for their lives and to, for their ups and downs and everything that they are together as a couple and individuals. Because that's the best part of marriage is you should not lose yourself. You should encourage your partner to be who they are, and they should do the same for you. I am very lucky that in our marriage, which, oh, I think we are coming up on year 19. Isn't that terrible? The guy is supposed to forget this, right? Um, and in all these years that my husband have been together, we've known each other since I was a sophomore and he was a freshman. Um, and... We accept and allow each other to be who we are ourselves. And it makes such a great relationship for each other. Because I can know that I can come into my husband with any crazy harebrained scheme that I get. And he'll be, yes, dear. How can I help? Whether I need funding or support. I am lucky enough to have him behind me. And now I have a, in the last seven years, a smaller version of my husband who says, sure, mom, let's do it. Every day I turn around. And that's a wonderful feeling. I hope everybody in some way can experience this and have it lifelong because it's really fantastic. If you're not with somebody who allows you to be who you are, find it. You are worth it. You belong to that. There's nothing in this world that should stop you, including your self-doubt. You are a force. You are worth it. We are beautiful, beautiful beings. We are spirit. We are light. And it's just incredible. On top of all of this, I have been doing meditations. Well, first off, it's been a small group of us. It's a private group. We try to keep it small and intimate so it's not overwhelming and not embarrassing for some people. You know, some people are like, like to hang back a little and don't want to be as public. Um, sorry, I had to have a sip of tea there. Um, so myself, um, Terry... And two of our friends, Deb and Liz, have been our steadfast, but anybody is welcome to join. And we do welcome children because children are a wonderful, bright spirit, and they actually are very um, cohesive with uh, meditation. Uh, this actually started off with, I had an idea of, uh, hey, Terry, why don't we do some meditations? And she says, yeah, that's great. How about you do them? Wait. What, what, no, no, you were supposed to do it, not me. And okay, guess who's running the classes? It's me. 
So that got me to thinking, okay, if I have to be a mentor of these people, I need to start studying and doing some things here. So I've done some reading and some learning. And I've also just recently found out that um, basically meditation, just quickly, is a time to be still to give, allow yourself to regenerate, refocus, and balance yourself, and explore some of your spirituality as well. I know I keep saying spirituality, and some of you are probably raising your eyebrows going, oh my God, she's, not, she's one of those nuts. I'll tell you, I'm not one of those, I don't shove religion and or spirituality around somebody else. You know, your life is your life, not mine. I'm not judging either. I have no place to judge. Um, basically, meditation is a time that you've carved out for yourself after you've met your basic survival needs, food, shelter, safety. And you can just get quiet and breathe not talking everyday breathing but controlled breathing clearing your mind of thoughts um, it's been known to actually from medical studies meditation actually helps you with anxiety uh, stress high blood pressure pressure and so many other things that they're finding about even depression as well I, it is also, you can actually see it in MRIs. It's been studied as well. Uh, I believe it was in Massachusetts and a University of Munich. They've done these studies and it can actually help many other aspects of your life too. Uh, control memory loss, uh, shrinking negative emotions and lots and lots of different things. So. And, you know, you have to find your own thing that you're comfortable with. There is also um, the 10th cranial nerve that has enormous impact throughout your body and can do a lot for you. Um, it controls several different parts of your being. Throat, hypothalamus, the heart, lungs, liver, stomach and intestines, adrenal glands and kidneys. And there's something, I will spell it because I cannot pronounce it. It's A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A. -A -A. Uh, basically stimulating the vagus nerve prompts memory storage in this part of the brain, which associates with emotions. So I found that to be very fascinating. Um, it just helps you kind of balance everything, but not only for that period of time that you're meditating, but it actually helps move you on throughout your day, and it comes with you through the rest of your week. Um, it's, I can tell you from the times that we've been meditating, and we've actually been meditating on the beach, which has been really nice because you have the ocean waves coming in, and we will sometimes meditate at Terry's home which always has a beautiful vibe to it because of the loving that's there. And also I'm creating my own meditation room, so you know we can switch on and off so Terry doesn't have the burden, so to speak. And then hopefully soon we will get to go to Deb's house where she lives on a lake. And I've been to this lake and it's actually very beautiful. I can't wait to do a meditation there. Um, but I've learned from just being at these meditations, yes, I, the leader of this, has learned, which is making you a great leader. The more you learn, the more you can lead in a better way to help others. You need to learn every day. I try to, my personal thing is, I try to learn one thing every day. Sometimes it's, I don't want to do that again, but I did learn something. So, what I've learned from these is the energy that we put up is so amazingly fantastic. I feel like a brand new person afterwards. 
it's I don't know it's something about the energies that all of the three of us together or the four of us together or more whoever joins us you have that energy of yourself that you're flowing into positivity and light and just focusing on this this you know stillness in yourself but what I found is the energy from the other individuals that I'm with, we all kind of like bind together and make this greater, I like to say ball of energy or, you know, just an emittance of light. And it's just exhilarating. It's so amazing to see this happen and to feel it. You know, we all just feel fantastic after. And I can carry that home to my husband and my child. And also in our meditations, we do appreciate having our children with us because children are the light of the future. And we have to teach them different, easier ways. Life doesn't always have to be a battle. Life is hard, life is tough. You know, you've got to fight and scratch to survive, but there's times to rest, slow down, regenerate and become more spiritual more connected to yourself and with that i am going to let you guys go and i'm going to enjoy the rest of my day off with my son and unfortunately we'll be cleaning the house but hey you know there's also finding a good positivity in that <laughs> somehow <laughs> Thank you for joining us at our table today, and we will see you soon, my loves. Have a beautiful day. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to Perfectly Flawed. I'll be your host today, Tammy, as well as with Lauren and Terry, we make up Perfectly Flawed. And today I am interviewing uh, Dante Palazzo a friend of mine who has written a book and it is published and out there and the name of the book is the prodigal son's prayerful ramblings and would you like to tell us a bit about your book um the book is something that it started in 1993 i had an awakening i was driving to southern connecticut to my baseball practice i was Driving down Route 34 in West Haven, Michael Jackson, Wish You Were Here, was playing. And um, there was a person that I had been visiting. Um, his name is Tommy Bowen. He, he died. Um, his life was cut short. And I was visiting him. I actually became closer to Tommy after he had passed away. So I was visiting him a lot. And as I was driving by Yale University and I was about to take a left to go towards some, uh, Southern Connecticut... It just hit me like a like a ton of bricks. Uh, the first thing was um, it told me I was going to work with children. It told me um, it showed me like in a quick vision. I saw myself um, alongside. I you know I in the vision I thought I was in Africa, and it is a place I'm going to be going to. I recently met someone who has an orphanage in Africa, and uh, he invited me out, but I had an infection in my tooth, so I couldn't go. And so that was part of the vision. So it's amazing how the book was done. And now I met someone who has a, a connection to Africa, um, work with children. And then the last thing was I was going to be a writer. And it was very just, I really didn't know how to take that. I never really wrote. I, I was graduating from college and I never wrote poetry before. I never doodled. I, I didn't, I wasn't a strong writer. I always needed help. And, you know, I had a little bit of a learning disability, some comprehension issues, so I used to get a little crossed up with my writing. And so I was very sort of, I don't know, like, didn't make any sense. I, then I got a job at a housing authority. I was uh, checking the senior housing, and it was like a week later after it happened, then I said, you know what, okay, I'm going to start writing. So I had like five uh, senior homes, centers. I think it was four. It might have been four. And I would go to each center. And when I would go there into the community center, as I would do my walkthrough, check the perimeter, I said, okay, I'm going to write it. So I was writing on the back of a Lorenzo's restaurant um, takeout menu. 
So I wrote my first one, and then I went to another uh, senior housing, and I said, I'm going to write another one. And I was, like, looking around for paper, and I wrote, like, the second one on the back of an old, uh, this is going back a long time ago. It was an old, where you would uh, buy a case of beer. It used to be, the beer used to not be in a box. It used to be, like, in a flat box. So I wrote the second one on the box. By the time I got to the third one, I ended up going back to my house and getting paper uh, instead of writing on cardboard boxes. And from that point on, the next eight years, I probably wrote close to 300 um, songs, poems, feelings, whatever. And I never had done this before. And, you know, I really didn't know if it was really that good. I was very private about it. And I got to about 2001 and I started talking to somebody who was a lawyer who worked in copywriting. And I just got sidetracked. And from 2001 till about, you know, I'm going on about six years, I went down many paths. Um, some of them weren't, weren't pretty. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And after I got out of that and went through some trials and tribulations, I said to myself, what am I going to do with myself? I did a lot of work with people. I, I, I worked with kids. I worked with adults and children, both with disabilities, autism. I worked at a birth to three uh, hospital uh, in the in St. Mary's Hospital for Children. I worked in Manhattan, um, uh, Westchester County, and uh, the Bronx. And, you know, I was always working with kids. I did a halfway house. I was a college baseball coach. I was a high school coach. I did some scouting. I worked in various jobs around kids, and I just wanted to do something for me. So I just sort of, in that moment, um, you know, I was going through something, and, and I felt the Lord's presence, and he said to me, I want you to get back into the writing, and he showed me, I remember I had a safe, it was up in the attic, and when I cracked that safe open, I didn't know what was going to be in there, and they all were there, there were a massive pile of all of these, these, um, these poems and essays, <laughs> and I, I hired two retired editors, I was at my son's gymnastics class, I saw two writers talking about their books, I went right up to them and said, do you know anybody that would help an amateur writer? They, within 24 hours, I had Diane Barker. Diane Barker was a McGraw-Hill. She worked for them, and she also brought in Michelle Dickey, who helped me type, helped me edit. We went through probably close to 200 uh, songs, poems. Uh, the editor that, um, that I worked with under Zulon Press and Diane Barker said, well, my style is called Prayerful Ramblings. Of course, I was insulted by that because I thought she said I was rambling. But it was a style of writing. It's like writing when you're having a dream. And the way I just go from topic to topic. And I didn't know that this was any sort of, you know, a, a gift or anything. So we worked together for a year and a half. And we finally got to a point where we got it good. We, had, we were down to about 150 and so then it was like they didn't know the next step even though they worked for a big publisher they didn't know how to uh, how to get me to that next step and i i had to find someone and by complete accident i was getting a haircut in salon massimo in Brantford, connecticut by april Pereira, two chairs down is selena's and Uevis, very spiritual religious lady so is april and she came up to me with a rolodex on one side of the uh, rolodex was a five-star um, public publisher publications on the other side was just a random phone number so now at this point I am extremely frustrated I'm reaching out to other writers I'm reaching out to people and no one will help me I even reached out to like people that you know were in the media and no one seemed to care so I took a shot and called this number I got as soon as I got the number I went home and I dialed the number and a woman by the name of Mimi Auxilli answered the phone Mimi and I spoke on the phone for 48 minutes. At the end of the conversation, Mimi was like, hey, you know, I mean, I didn't show her any of my work. We were just building up a relationship. She asked me how I got her phone number. And I told her that I got her number from a, um, a hairdresser in Brantford, Connecticut. We laughed about that. And then she got to the point where she said, well, what was the phone number? I thought that was a strange question to ask me. Why do you want to know the phone number? Because I just called you. And I told her the number. And I don't want to say the number over, over the airway. And, you know, then all of a sudden now people are going to crank call this number. It was a 877 area code. But Mimi in Winter Park, Florida is in a 407 area code. 
So she was definitely like, you made a mistake. You must have dialed the wrong number. You, you know, do it again. So I hung up the phone and dialed the number back and Mimi answered the phone again. At this point, she like, she's got me on speaker and she's like talking to other people in the office and saying, I can't believe this. This guy is calling me uh, from a, from Connecticut. He's dialing a four, uh, 877 area code and we're in a 407 area code. So right then after that day, Never again when I dialed that number back. And sometimes when we have company, I tell the story. Nobody believes me, of course. And then we dial the number. The last time we dialed the number was SSI uh, Disability. The other time we uh, called that number was GoHealth.com. It's never Zulon Press ever again. The next day, I dialed that number back and no longer was that Mimi Auxilla. So I signed with Zulon Press. And that was, you know, late December, and it took a while because I didn't know how the way this process works. I wanted it done now, today. I wanted it. Uh, then, you know, I had to send her some samples to make sure she liked what I, my writing style. She did. And then we just sent her all of it, probably a hundred, a uh, hundred samples, a hundred pieces. And they, you know, made it into 56 pieces. And that's how we put the book out. The book is 92 pages. It's a short read. It's not about one particular topic. It's my, the way I view the world or things that bother me in the world. It's about my redemption, my failures, my trials and tribulations, the mistakes I made, the hiccups, the obstacles. And, you know, I'm, I'm just very proud. I, I got my first um, quarterly back and I sold a lot of books. For somebody who really didn't have any way of promoting the book, you know, when you sell up to 200 books, you know, in a month, a little over a month, that's pretty good. And the package that we signed up with the publisher, they're helping me promote that book. But I just would have to say that, you know, just the way I met Diane and Diane bringing in Michelle, the whole connection of all that worked was just, there was something working in there. I, I just really believed, you know, I had a relationship with God since I was 10 years old. And I, I've always been, you know, I was saved last June 8th at my uncle's funeral. I was saved by Pastor Dennis Carmana. He saved me. Uh, it was an amazing thing. I study with my Aunt Jean. I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting more. I've read the Bible through twice. But, you know, I, people are going to start questioning me, and they already are, about my faith, my beliefs. And, you know, I'm just trying to tie the whole package into, into together. So, you know, that's basically you know, where I'm at right now. So basically, it seems like you had a lot of female influence in your life. Well, yes. Uh, there's no question about it. Strong women. Absolutely. I mean, just to, just to rattle off a few, I mean, Diane Barker worked for McGraw Hill. She brought Michelle Dickey in. You know, Michelle had to decipher all my poetry, which, you know, wasn't pretty. It was all handwritten. And uh, so she deciphered them all, and, and, and she brought it into the fold, you know, my Aunt Jean has been so inspirational in my life. Obviously, my mother, you know, my mother and my father always let me be who I wanted to be. They never tried to change me. You know, my in-laws uh, have been there for me, too. You know, everything wasn't always perfect. But, you know, God has a way of washing it over. And, you know, we had a 10-minute conversation over something I was going through. And immediately, it was all gone. All the stress. You know, I'd like to recognize some of my... My so professors. If, so if you believe in everything will fall into place. Well, you know, you can't give up. You got to be persistent. You got to be consistent. You cannot give up. People have been, even while I'm trying to promote this, I've been sending out books to people all over the country. Famous people, politicians, radio, TV, and, you know, the door is constantly being slammed. You just got to keep going. You can't, you can't put down your fire, man. You got to, you just got to. You got to stay after it. Uh, I would like to recognize my college professors. Now, when you go to college and you only can remember two professors, and both of them were women's classes that I joined. I had Dr. Kathleen McCarthy, Feminist Studies. Yes, I got clobbered every day for three months. But like she said, Dante, you were a good sport. And after the classes, we would talk, and she would give me some pep talks that I still remember uh, to this day. Uh, Dr. Bridgman Rees, uh, she taught me. Uh, I took a class with her. It was uh, Third World Women's Studies. I read six books in a semester. I, went, I never read six books in a long time. And I was just, I don't know, caught up in it. And it just, it, it helped me while I was writing. And it's, I don't know, maybe it softened me up. 
you know, I didn't want to write hardcore, you know, uh, rap songs. I was more interested in writing about things about beauty or, and things in the world. And, you know, it just uh, softened me up. Mimi Auxilla, obviously, she will forever be at the end of my words. She lit the match. Selena, Selena's uh, Nuevas. She was the hairdresser. She took me to her church, uh, New Life Church in Wallingford. It was a great time, a great experience. Uh, I'm going to stay in touch with her. She's without her. You know, it never happens. Carolyn Falsigno. If Carolyn Falsigno did not bring me to the Legionnaires of Christ in Cheshire to get some di spiritual direction, I probably would have never, you know, got to, I probably would have never finished this. I met Father Greg. I met Father Kermit. And month after month, they gave me the hard truth. They, you know, that I needed to do. I did some volunteer work. I'd like to recognize Ursula DiMartino. Ursula was a very close friend at uh, school I worked with her. I could always count on her. I still talk to her today. She's as good as a friend as I got. Karen Diadio was somebody that I met in the, in the late 90s. I coached her children in sports. She was somebody that taught me, you know what? She taught me how to put the armor of God on. And that's why in the front cover of my book, I'm sitting there and I have armor on. I'm sitting there with my sword. And that if you put the Lord's armor on, nothing could stop you. And she, she did wonder. She taught me how to read the Bible. Leslie Romero. She's just a close friend, a close ally, somebody that I could always count on to, you know, to have a, a conversation with. Um, just a strong friend. A friend, um, you know, that, I'm, that I continue to cherish. Eliza Baraka, she was a counselor that I met. She was a therapist that I worked with a little bit. She was an amazing person that taught me about how to go for it. And you know what? She was the one that gave me the courage. She said, buck up, Dante. You want to do this? Go and do it. Stop talking about it. And I moved forward. Teresa Rosick, she is the artist in my book. She's the one that's helping me build my park. She's the one that's uh, really like beautifying my park. Another woman is Daisy. Daisy's a friend of mine. I, I, I don't know her last name. She's one of the people that helped take care of our house. She painted all my statues. Without her, you know, none of this, none of this, I wouldn't have known how to paint the statues. I wouldn't know where to place them. I wouldn't know the colors to color them. So angels everywhere, basically. All over the place. I'd like to. I'd like to acknowledge Alan Duquez. I'd like to uh, acknowledge the Claxton family. You know, everybody told me what an amazing father I was going to be, and you want to know what? In the beginning, I was not an amazing father. And about five years ago, I met the Claxtons, and they were this family that my son took basketball lessons from. And I was sitting there, and I would say, I gave private lessons myself. I've never seen a family bring their whole family down to a lesson. So you got the son doing the lesson with the father. You have the mom, the sister, and always a cousin hanging around while my son was getting private lessons. And I'm like, this is the kind of family that I want to be in. This is the kind of people, you know, that, you know, that I want to recognize and be like and, and be supportive. But when I made a wholesale change in my life, when I tried to do everything, I had to change the way I look. I had to change the way I act, the way I talk, the way I eat. I joined the uh, Function Fitness. I joined the class. I am the weakest man in an all-woman's class, basically. Uh, it's a class that got me into, into shape. I'd like to recognize Tim Trahant with the acupuncture. Uh, the acupuncture does something um, for my mind, and it just, it, 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 it just makes me feel different when I come out of there. It gets me into deep thought. Uh, my yoga instructor, Allison Anatra from the Shanty Community. I meet her once a week. I make sure it's one-on-one. -on -one. I want to be just locked in, me and her, with the meditation. And, you know, she's able, she's someone that I could really, really talk to. So, and also, you've you had an accident a while ago? I had a car and accident um, back in 2013. So, which also is making you stronger as well? Well, absolutely. <laughs> uh, because, you know, I got caught, I got basically, you know, it was a bad accident. And uh, my son was, thank God he wasn't hurt or anything. But, you know, I don't know much about cars. And when the car starts smoking, I was able to climb out of the car. I was able to, uh, to try to unfree him from the seat. Somebody came over and it helped us. The whole ride in the ambulance, you know, all of that was, um, was quite the experience. Yes, I came out of that accident, you know, a different guy. It's kind of around the time where, you know, I wasn't out of the woods, but I started to see the big picture. And like all these people that I'm recognizing, 
These are people, Dr. Malone, Dr. Master Batista. You know what? When I decided to change my life around, I wanted to look different. I wanted to dress different. I wanted to take care of take care of my take care of myself. And so I, more of a transformation. Of, a transformation. Of who you were. I started putting on lotions and creams on my face. I started <laughs> to care about the way I look. I want to recognize two people that Jill Miller Rabidol. She's from Young Oils of Essential. Um, she's the one that my wife bought, bought a starter kit. We bought a starter kit for oh, her. Oh, the Young Living, yes. Essentially oils, yes. We, and yeah. my wife every day, I, I use my Wolfberry cream every night uh, to, to take care of my eyes, to make sure, uh, you know, I'm not looking, I'm trying to look younger. I'd like to recognize Jill Adano. I think this person belongs on television. She has a YouTube channel at Jill and Adano. She has the Monate uh, products. It, you know, it's they're gluten-free. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're not tested on animals and everything. And you could use it in your hair. You could use it on your face. You could use it on your neck. Somebody I met on Facebook that really uh, inspires me. I, I follow her, and I think she's good at what she does. No question. Yeah. So, yes, it's, it's amazing. You know, you don't know all these things. Like, you don't... And funny enough, I also sell the Young Living and Monate. Oh, so. <laughs> yes. Uh, those are two people I met. And you know what? I'm watching them talk about how, you know what? You could try to look long. You could make yourself. You could take care of your, your skin. And you could try to make yourself look better. So the whole transformation of me was was everything top to bottom. That I tried to, I tried to t turn my... You know, I wanted to be the best version of myself. And that's what I'm still working on. And I hope that, you know, it's like anything else, though. You have to find that one person that matters. You know, I wrote a letter to Jimmy Fallon. And I told Jimmy Fallon that people must call him all the time and reach out to him. And I'm not, you know, I don't know him and I don't watch everything he does. But for some reason, I reached out to him and I told him it's like anything. I want to make music. I want to I want to be involved in manuscripts. I got this amazing imagination. But when you don't, when most of the people that you know, that do music only do cover songs. They don't. They don't write songs. I want to turn some of what I got into songs. But it's like anything else. You got to get around the right people. You got to get around the right people. So every day, I wrote a book and sent it to Bono. I took. I take mud every day and I throw it off the wall, and I try to get people to maybe respond. A couple people have written me letters back that I sent to, but. I'm trying to get that one person that I can make a connection with that can maybe help me get to the next level. And what that really is, is I want to be an inspirational speaker. I want to do missions work. I want to save people from making the same mistakes that I made. And, that, and not a lot of people like to put themselves out there like that, that they want to go out there and talk about all the negatives and, you know, put their dirty laundry out there. But if that's what I got to do for all the things that I shouldn't have done, and I believe that the Lord saved me for a reason. And it's to get out there and get past that enemy. That enemy doesn't want you. He wants you in the house. He wants you depressed. He wants you under the covers. He doesn't want you to get out there. And I was one of those guys. And I said, you know what? You know, from the grace of God and the grace of these people, all these people I'm mentioning, they all one way or another helped me pull out. Whether I watched them on Facebook and just saw the way they work, saw the way they operate. They inspire me in one way. It was all for one thing, to try to make me be better at what I want to be better at. So basically, they've empowered you to empower others. Yes, yes. And when you when you sit down and you make an acknowledgement list, you don't really realize like who you're going to recognize until you sit down. How many people are behind and you? And most of the people that I, I and, and I didn't do it by accident, but you know, most of the people here are you know, all ladies. And I don't know, I just... I, it's a trust thing. You know, I don't know. Maybe some of the guys that I hung around with for 30 years ended up not being the guys that I thought they were going to be. And you know what? I just like to say that if you really want to know who you are, I know everybody finds out who they are in their own way. For me to find out who I was, I needed to go through some trials. And when you go through some trials of life, you will find out real quick who's with you, who isn't with you, who is never with you, and who wants to see you not succeed. It's unfortunate. I'm unconditional. I know that doesn't register in my brain, but that's how I feel. Yeah. So putting judgments and things aside is always, you know, a more positive way of being. Well, when you, when you have been with certain people and you've been in every single trial that they ever went through. I mean, I had a friend that went through a lot of stuff. And then when I went through, I mean a lot of stuff. And I was front row seat for everything. And when it was my turn, 
He was nowhere to be found. And and you know what? You have arguments with people, and then if one argument that's over nothing turns out to, to be one year, two years, all of a sudden now you're not talking for three years. Please, I, I send this call out to all the people that are fighting with their family members. Five, one month turns into one year. One year turns into four. And all of a sudden now you haven't talked to your family, and it's over stuff you don't even remember what you're fighting about. We all need to put that into perspective. What are we arguing about? Why can't we get along? And why do we have to all be upset when one of us makes it or one of us is lucky enough to, to, to meet a great woman or, or to you know, get themselves situated in a nice home? I don't understand all the jealousy. I really don't. And none of that stuff ever registers to me. No, I've never understood that as well. Um, I normally, I like to feel happy for others that they're doing better than I am. If her friend They're not even better, but they have, you know, they have something to for themselves to enjoy. At one point in time, many years ago, I had a friend, and she got the car that I wanted. I was in my twenties, and I was like, you know, but I wasn't pissed off or angry at her. I was happy that she had a decent car to drive. I was happy for my friend. I wasn't angry at her because she got the car I wanted. And what people need to realize is what makes you happy might not make them happy, but be happy in their moment. Mm -hmm. Okay, you might look at what they're happy about and say, well, that doesn't interest me. But that, but that, that moment isn't about what you're interested in. That's what they're interested in. So be happy for whatever they're happy about. It's not always about you. <laughs> no, it's not. And, you know, there was a lot of time, part of my life where I made it about me. I was selfish in many ways. And, you know, even though I was out there helping people and I was doing lots of stuff, I mean, a lot of coaching, a lot of lessons, making YouTube videos, going on college visits, doing all these things for people, working with all these special needs people. But you know what? Half of that time I was working at 50%. And what was the most, thing, most important thing that you've learned from the kids that you've worked with? They're all different. They're all special. Everybody's special in their own way. Everybody has their own ideas their own interests. I never judged people. I don't care what you look like. I don't care who you are. I don't care what race you are. I don't care what creed you are. I don't care what orientation. People to me are just what they are. They're people. And I don't care what other people don't like or what they don't like. When you're my friend, you're my friend. When you enter my heart, you enter my heart. So the thing I learned from the kids is that, you know what, they're all individuals. They all got something to bring to the table. And we got to sit there and listen. We're not listening enough. And listening enough to our children as well, because they have some really bright perspectives on things. Yes, and sometimes as parents, we have to stop making excuses. Not my kid. Our yeah. kids are all capable of doing what everybody yeah. else is doing. It's how you bring them up. It's how you raise them, your values, your morals that you teach yeah. them. You've met my child. Um, I know he's no angel, but he is a good kid. He's very special. <laughs> he made me feel like a movie star. I walked into CVS, going to get a prescription, and he said, you know, I asked where you were to another coworker. He came popping out of the aisle and said, who are you? <laughs> and I told him who I was, and he starts running through the store yelling, Dante's here, Dante's here, <laughs> and all the people that are shopping around are like giggling and smiling <laughs> and looking at me like, you know, he made me feel as special as I could, I, I think that anybody's ever made me feel. Yeah, he's quite amazing. Um, the one thing that I, he just did a live a few weeks ago about life being like Jenga, where if you put your pieces in the right place and you're winning at Jenga. I like that analogy, and I'd like to use that for my from from my children. So, being a coach, being a guy that's out there coaching, you know, sports at the collegiate level, high school. I mean, I've coached them all: softball, basketball, baseball, football. What I did is I found other people. I don't want to fight with my kid at the basketball court. I don't want to fight my kid in the gym. I don't want to fight with my kid in baseball. So I went out, and I found other people to work with my son so I could read the newspaper and stay out of it and be his mentor. I would just like to recognize Roberto Mania, over-the-top athletes. My son has been working out with them for seven years since he's three. I'd like to mention the Grind Baseball Academy. My son has two great instructors over there, Connor David and Mike Morris. I'd like to recognize Middlesex Tung Soo Do. My son started there at three and a half. He's closing in on a black belt. They're an amazing uh, facility. I'd like to acknowledge Pat Gallagher at Notre Dame West Haven working with my son. I'd like to acknowledge Trevor Brown. Yeah, these guys know more than I do, and I sit back and I let them do their thing. As parents, we have to stop thinking we can do everything. Other people we can bring into the fold that can help our children. Takes a village. 
Yes, don't think for one second that you have to be as basketball coach, as baseball coach, or softball coach, and you got to do everything. Sit back and try to enjoy that. And I've had an opportunity to be a fan recently with my son in baseball, and, and I've enjoyed it. All righty. So, well, thank you for sitting at our table. And as always, there's always room for one more. And your book is, again? The Prodigal Sons, Prayerful Amblings. It's on Amazon. They're selling it on a few sites, and the Barnes and Nobles, too. So go out and buy it. It'll change your life. Hello, beautiful souls. And we are back with an addendum to Dante's interview. And we thought this part would be special to be on its own. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Dante. I just want to say that none of this would ever be possible if it wasn't for my wife. My wife and I have been together for almost 25 years. And she has been the rock in all of this. She stayed with me. You know, when I was stumbling and falling all over myself, my wife held the ground. She's, she held the line. I, don't deserve, I didn't deserve her. Sometimes I don't feel like I do deserve her. She is unconditional. She's a good person. She works hard. She gives a lot to our family. None of this. The book. And she's had to tolerate me not being happy. And the only thing my wife wants me to be in the end is happy. And slowly but surely, I'm trying to work myself into being happy every single day. But it all starts at home. And if you don't have a strong home and you don't have a wife that's, you know, going to stay with you, that's the problem today. People just quit. You know, they, they go out, they get married, things are rocky a little bit, and they just give up. My wife could have given up on me plenty of times, and she stayed with me, and I really appreciate it. And none of this would be possible you know, without her grace, without her, you know, looking at the big picture and seeing that, you know, there's a lot of good in me. She knows I'm frustrated because I want to do great things and not make a big deal out of it. It's just tough to get there. But without a strong stalwart person to be behind you, it'd be really hard to achieve anything. And I just want to thank my wife, Christy, for everything she does for me. And her belief in you. And her belief in me when it wasn't always clear that there was something to believe in. And she knew what she saw. I hope she does. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to her. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for gracing our table with your presence today. Please don't forget to share this with your friends, family, and loved ones if you feel it will resonate with them. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram and follow for updates on the next episode posting. Check out the show notes to find out what our handles are. Have a great day.